Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Mike Michalowicz, and he's going to be discussing his book, his system, really, called Profit First, and that's a simple system to transform any business from a cash-eating monster to a money-making machine. And, you know, I'm a business owner. Most of you are business owners. Wouldn't we all like to know that? Uh, that that's a, a great system that he's got, and we need to adopt it. He's done a lot of things in his life, and I'll just give you a brief little overview here. We'll talk to him more about it during the interview. But by his 35th birthday, he'd founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies. And he thought, you know, I've got success under uh, my thumb here, so I'll become an angel investor. Well, then he proceeded to lose his entire fortune. So he had to start all over again. And he did that using the profit first formula that he's going to be talking about here today. He now operates another multi-million dollar venture called the Provendus Group. And Profit First Professionals uh, is a former business columnist for the Wall Street Journal, the former MSNBC business makeover artist, and he's a keynote speaker on entrepreneurship. His specialty is micro-businesses, in fact, those with under 10 employees. He's also the author of some books you've probably heard of, besides Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, and The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which Business Week deemed the entrepreneur's cult classic and also surge. So welcome to the show today, Michael. Uh, Kelly, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, well, you have an important message. Like I said, who of us who are business owners wouldn't want to know how to adapt this formula to our businesses. So so let's talk about that. Profit First actually came out a couple of years ago, and you've totally rewritten it from the ground up. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, the book came out a few years back, and I, I've been very fortunate, I'm knocking on wood here, that it really grew in popularity. So I was approached by Penguin Books, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, a big publishing house, and they said, well, you know, we, we want to help spread the word on a larger basis, which means we want to get um, serious international distribution, not just a electronic Kindle version, but you know we want books in bookstores in Germany and Istanbul and, and everywhere. Um, and they said we want to uh, distribute it more aggressively here in the U.S. So uh, that was a no-brainer for me, and we we did the deal. And it's funny they they said you know the, the the book is great. Let's just you know freshen up some things, but we got a good book here. And I spoke with them and said you know I think there's a, a bigger opportunity. There's now, and this is our estimate, and, and, and notably on the optimistic side, we, we think there's about 30,000 companies doing the book. We, we do have 2,000 document cases, um, but optimistically slash realistically, 30,000 businesses doing this, and we have the case studies. We've learned something here, and I wanted to include that stuff. So the new book is, is more than just a refresh. Uh, I rewrote the book literally from the ground up. It's, it's new content. The system is is unchanged, uh, that's unabated, and the stuff that was formerly confusing is improved, and there's now stories of other businesses that have um, that have used Profit First to their advantage in, 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 in the real world. That I think it was the biggest enhancement that I was able to include in the new book. 
Yeah, so some firsthand accounts, and we all know those studies that say that business owners, or adults anyway, learn best from other adults uh, who've experienced things. So you've got that piece in there now. Great. And uh, let, let's just talk about the whole system. Tell us what profit first means. What's that formula? So, yeah, so the, the traditional formula for profit, uh, we call it the bottom line, is because sales minus expenses equals profit is that formula. And while logically it makes sense, uh, in practice it is an abject failure. The vast majority of businesses uh, go out of business because they don't have enough cash flow, meaning they're not profitable. Mm-hmm. The businesses that survive, the vast majority are check by check. Uh, you know, I was actually at an event yesterday. I was, I was in Minnesota, and I just got back this morning. And when I was out there, I did a quick survey of these businesses. And they were small business owners, but ranged from a few hundred thousand in revenue to a few businesses they were doing five or six million. But what was fascinating, uh, and I appreciate their candor, is that the vast majority, not profitable, no profit distributions whatsoever, surviving check by check, regardless of their size. So the, the old formula says, you know, you, you have to sell, you have to subtract your expenses, and what's left over is profit. And we get stuck in the first part of the formula. We sell, we spend money to, to grow, to sell more, and we never achieve profitability. It, comes, it becomes this kick the can down the road game. Mm-hmm. The new formula that I'm proposing in Profit First is exactly like that title says. Take our Profit First. You have to have sales, clearly. So you sell um, your services that are, or products. Then you immediately take a predetermined percentage of that money and allocate it to a profit. You literally transfer that money out of your checking account and put it in a reserve account so your profit can accumulate. The remainder of money is now used to cover your expenses. And you know, mathematically, I'm just switching some variables here. Mathematically, it's literally identical. But behaviorally, the adjustment is something short of profound. Because this is the pay-yourself-first principle. We, we know it in our personal yeah. lives. The, you know, the 401k is designed around pay-yourself-first. And it works. I'm just saying we've got to apply this to our businesses now. And that sounds great. I, I bet everybody who's listening today, uh, they wouldn't argue with you on that. But you, you said it yourself, the ones that you just visited with uh, yesterday, many of them aren't even making any money. So when you're in a situation right. where you're in a cash crunch and you've got 10, 12 bills that are due by the end of the week, and yet you're standing there telling me, I need to yeah. go ahead and, and take a little bit of that money out, you know, 2%, 5%, 10% profit, whatever it is that you've determined, put that away into another fund, as you suggested, that leaves me even less money to pay those uh, dozen bills by the end of the week that if I don't pay them, I'm going to be getting collection calls the following week. How do I deal with that? That's right. That's right. So my, uh, and I'm convinced of this, my belief is those bills should, we should not be incurring those bills in the first place. Um, So this is our business giving us immediate feedback. I mean, let's look at it this way. I start a business and I'm committed to a 10% profit or 15% profit. Well, if I take my profit first, there's less money left for expenses. I am having, I'm forced now to reverse engineer that profitability. When I take that profit first and I can't pay my bills, I have a real simple lesson. If you can't afford to pay your bills, you can't keep incurring those bills. This is your business giving you direct feedback. So we take our profit first. We see those stack of bills. We can't pay it. Um, we're going to have to call those vendors and say, I, I can't continue this service. I can't keep in, incurring these bills. Now, here's the reason that most businesses keep expanding in revenue and their expenses keep expanding with it. Uh, it's a behavioral tendency. It's called Parkinson's Law. 
this was a philosopher from the 1950s, and he was studying human behavior. He found that as the supply of a resource increases, it's our natural tendency to increase our demand based upon supply. You know, for example, if, if Kelly, you and I are discussing a contract, and I tell you I'll get you the, the agreement in two weeks, it'll likely take me two weeks to get you the agreement. Now, if the same people have the same discussions for the same contract, and I say I'll get to you in two days, I'll get to you likely in two days. So as right. the resource of time expands, right, we our use of expands. So this doesn't apply just to time. It applies to all resources, including and especially money. So as our money expands, meaning more revenue comes in, our natural subconscious response is to say, oh, I, I can use this to grow. I can use this to spend. I can get that equipment I need. Our, our consumption expands with it. So that's why most people in their personal lives live their lifestyle up to their income. Um, and then it seems like miraculously when they max out their their use of their income that they settle in there, their lifestyle. They don't go beyond it. Well, this is true in our business too. As our business income increases, our business lifestyle, if you will, expands to meet that income. Now, on the flip side with Parkinson's Law, what, what the philosopher explained, as less money is available for our business, we um, become more frugal, that's obvious, but we also become more innovative. We, we learn to extract more value out of the things we have. So what we're doing with Profit First is we are forcing that restriction of cash. We take the profit out. There's less money to spend. No, you can't pay your existing bills. That means you can't afford those bills. We have to stop incurring it. And now it's going to force frugality into your business, which that's the obvious and easy thing, and it's going to force innovation. How do I get the same results I've had in the past without spending money? How do I increase my margins so when I charge my clients, I'm making it's truly profitable for, for my business? It, it forces those hard conversations up front immediately as opposed to waiting until your business is bankrupt and then facing the truth. Yeah, that's absolutely great advice. And the whole pay yourself first, whether you're talking about yourself as a business owner, whether you're talking about the business itself uh, and its profits, that is so true because I know one of the knee-jerk reactions that a lot of business owners have when things get tight is they cut their own salary. They they uh, say, right. okay, right. well, I'm either going to uh, go completely without salary for the next 30, 60 days, whatever, to get us over this hump, or I'm going to cut it back drastically. And when you do that, it it causes you to avoid those tough conversations that you just talked about. You think you've solved it, and you really haven't solved anything. So if you can't pay, afford to pay yourself, and you don't have a viable business. But those hard conversations, those tough conversations, uh, are the ones that you just really can't avoid. Now, the, now the flip side of this, when you start putting that profit aside, and you make a, a nice little sum there in that account, then what's to um, keep you from dipping into that from time to time? Yeah, right. <laughs> and so that, it becomes so tempting. I, I call it the cookie jar. Uh, my addiction is cookies, and uh, someone can put cookies out in the cookie jar. And at first I'll say, no, 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 I really shouldn't. But it's just a matter of time before my willpower fatigues, and I'm all over those cookies. Same thing with money. When we allocate money out there, it forces frugality, forces innovation. We look at our business in a new way. Um, but those bills will creep up again, or we'll see a quote-unquote opportunity and say, oh, I, I really should do this, but I don't have the money. And then if that cookie jar of cash is there, the profit account, we will uh, you know, quote-unquote borrow from it, which, by the way, it means it's no longer profit. Now it's an expense. So you're basically stealing your profit to pay an expense, and you've thrown yourself back right to where you were. You've unwound the system. So we have to remove temptation. You know, if, if 
I can't resist cookies except for one way, if there's no cookies available. If there's uh. no cookies around, I will never eat them. Um, so we have to remove that money. And here's how we do it. We set up another account um, at a, a separate bank. And, and my argument is, you know, a lot of these banks argue their convenience. We actually want the most inconvenient bank we can find. No right. online banking, no starter checks, no ATM card, for God's sake. Just deposit the money into the account, and the only way you can withdraw the money is to drive over to your local branch, have the, the bank manager come out and write you a cashier's check. With those obstacles in the way, now the cookie jar is, is out of sight, out of mind. Um, is, do we still have access to funds in an absolute emergency? Like, you know, the, the, a disaster strikes and we absolutely need money now? Yes, we can use it for an extreme rainy day circumstance. But we don't want to fall victim to, oh, I can just use this for a little bit and pay it back. That unwinds the system. But when we remove the temptation, that will prevent that behavior from uh, revealing itself. Right. And the day that you say you're going to pay it back, you know, eh, I'll push that off another month. And <laughs> it just right. don't end right. up paying it back. We we know how, you know, ourselves too well. Tell us about uh, something. I, I've read, read your uh, first book, uh, obviously, uh, and I've heard you speak on it. And one of the things that you talk about is using smaller plates. What do you mean by that in a business sense? So there's a fascinating behavioral phenomenon. Um, and all these principles, that principle and the principles we talked about are in both the original, uh, un- what I call it the uncut version of the book, and now the, the new revised version. Small plates is a, um, it's part of Parkinson's law, this ba- controlling the resources. Mm-hmm. The l- lesson here is the more available something is, the more we consume of it. And I'll give you another example. We talked about time. One of my favorite examples, because it's so funny, is toothpaste. Tonight, when when you, you, know, you listen to this podcast and you go to brush your teeth tonight, there's one of two things that's going to happen. There's going to be a full tube or an empty tube there. And if we have a full tube, we put a long bead of toothpaste on that toothbrush. But if it's a near empty tube, our behavior changes. We twist and turn. We become like Hercules. Like, like we actually <laughs> use two thumbs while, while having the uh, toothbrush pinched between our teeth. And, and it's like a turtle head poking out of toothpaste that we try to get on there. <laughs> It's, it, our behavior changes. And, of course, we're more frugal. Now less toothpaste is still adequate. Here's the surprising thing is a full new tube of toothpaste maybe lasts, I don't know, three, four weeks. An empty tube of toothpaste will last you know, three or four weeks. <laughs> so it doesn't matter so much what the supply is. It matters our behavior around it. In our business, the danger we run into is most entrepreneurs, many entrepreneurs, I suspect our listeners right now, have one primary checking account for their business. And mm-hmm. money flows in there, and they pay their bills out of it. That one checking account is the equivalent of a full tube of toothpaste. You're putting everything into it, and therefore, we inherently squeeze out lavishly. We don't know we are, but we just do. Small plates, uh, and well, another analogy I use is the use of food. Uh, if we serve food on a larger plate, we'll follow that behavior, fill up the plate, and as Bob said, eat everything that's on your plate. Mm-hmm. Use a smaller plate, we serve less, and we use less. Well, what we're going to do in our business is we're going to set up these small plates. We're going to set up multiple checking accounts with a predetermined purpose. Uh, one is for profit, we talked about. One's for owner's compensation. The, 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 the most underpaid employee at most companies inevitably actually is the entrepreneur. It, it's yeah. not what you hear in the news. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is a billionaire, but this small business entrepreneur, the most underpaid employee, inevitably is the owner. So we're going to pay money for them. Uh, we're going to reserve money for taxes. You know, tax season comes, 
and we get caught with uh, with no money, and then we go into this panic. The business is going to start reserving our tax responsibility on our behalf. And then one of the small plates is the operating expenses itself to run our business. And not only is it small plates, meaning we're serving up a empty tube of toothpaste, so we're more frugal and more innovative, twist and turn, but also we've pre-allocated money to these plates. So now we can continue that behavior of logging to our bank account and see what balance is there. But instead of one big checking account, we now have all these multiple accounts, and I can see, oh, I've reserved this much for profit. Oh, I've reserved this much for tax. Oh, I see what I have to run my business on. So very quickly, we know where our business stands. And of course, the profit account, we're going to transfer that money. We're going to store there momentarily, but we're going to transfer it to another bank so it's out of sight and out of mind. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to play devil's advocate for just a minute. Some people would say, man, I can barely, uh, I barely have time to work with my accountant or my bookkeeper, or maybe it's myself, on one account. How am I going to manage all these accounts? That's just going to take time away from sales or other uh, places in my business where I could be sure. doing activities that contribute to that profit. Wouldn't it be better just to, I could keep it in the same uh, bank account, but I just maybe line item those things? Um, how would you react right. to somebody who said that to you? Yeah, so I, I hear that response pretty quick, uh, commonly. Yeah, I bet you do. Yeah. yeah, and if you think of face value, it sounds like, wow, if, if I have to go through this reconciliation process and monitoring all these different things for one account, and now he's saying it's four or five accounts, that's four or five times the work. Um, but the actual reality is it's actually less work because we've pre-allocated money to different accounts for its purpose. So when we transfer money into the profit account, First of all, it's low activity. We just put money in and it sits there. So it's literally one transaction every couple of weeks. So it's mm-hmm. very few transactions. But you also know any transfer money in or out, it's sole purpose. It's a profit distribution or a profit reserve. You, you know what it is. So you actually don't have to do any of that back research because you know what it is. Uh, same with the tax account. You know that money is for tax purposes. The owner's compensation we know is for owner's comp. The operating expenses is now just operating expenses where before everything was convoluted and mixed together, and that was the cause of, of uh, taking time to research out what was this transaction all about. Now, since it's pre-categorized, by saying the system, it's actually faster. I mean, not hugely faster, but it's a little bit faster. So it brings around less work. The, the other thing people say, but Mike, Mike, what about the bank fees? Uh, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah the, the, uh, you know, and what about the interest? Uh, if I have all my money in one account, I gain the interest. Here's what's uh, – so I, I take that very seriously. I, I did some research to say, okay, well, this is, this is a good concern. How do you address it? The average million-dollar company, uh, net end of the year, interest gained by uh, how to keep money in one uh, account, you know, th- their interest yield is about minus $100. Most businesses actually lose money uh, because they, the money doesn't sit there long enough. There's overdraft fees. There's all these different – issues, and they actually end up spending more than they do gain interest. So the concern about gaining, uh, losing the opportunity for interest is negligible or, or irrelevant for most all small businesses. But the bank fees is a legit concern. I mean, if you have five accounts um, and they charge you 30 bucks a month for each account, what's 150 bucks as opposed to 30 bucks a month? That, you know, that starts adding up. Well, here's what you do. Not all banks change. Charge fees. So if your bank charges a fee, I, I encourage you, Go and talk to the bank manager and say, listen, I'm setting up a new system so I can be more profitable, which translates to having more money at your bank. That's what you want. Um, I ask that you waive the fees. And you'll be pleasantly surprised. Banks are businesses too. Many will waive the fees. If your bank is resistant and says, no, sorry, that's our standard practice, 
it's okay. Find a new bank. I find community banks are excellent. I find uh, uh, federal credit unions yeah. excellent for the banks to work with. Extraordinary, actually. So that's how you address okay. concerns. Okay. Now, you talked about being able to tap into that profit. That, you know, you make it very, very difficult to do it, but if you have an emergency, it's there and you can use it. What are some of the other reasons that you might use that profit. I mean, you're working really hard and your staff's working yeah. really hard. You're following your system and this profit yeah. starts to multiply. And you're like, okay, I, yeah. you want it out there, but can you ever dip into it for anything besides emergencies? Yeah, so no, so emergency is the unique circumstance. There's there's one reason you should and consistently dip into that account and it is for a profit distribution. Now, I just want to get clear what a profit distribution is. Uh, I own stock in a public company, Ford, and uh, occasionally, about once a quarter, Ford will do a profit distribution. And now literally, uh, they just did one recently. It was 15 cents a share. I own 100 <laughs> shares of Ford. But 100 times 15 translates to 15 bucks. Now, here's what happened, Kelly. I got the check, and I looked at the check, and I didn't say, oh, you know, Ford could really do better with this. I'm going to plow back the money into the business. That management team really can grow Ford more if they had this money back. No, instead I said, I took the risk of investing in this company. This is my reward for taking the risk. I'm going to celebrate with 15 bucks. Now, notably, it was a little trip to Starbucks. That was it. But I celebrated <laughs> with it for a reward for myself. In our business, we, took a, we made an investment in our business. You are an equity owner. You took a massive risk. You either founded the company or purchased into the company, but you have equity in this business. When the money comes out, that profit comes out, this is a reward for you for, to, to, for investing in your company, for taking the risk. This is not compensation. Owner's comp is when you're an owner-operator. And most of people listening, I suspect everyone, is an owner-operator. You own the business. You also operate in the business, the operator part. The owner's comp is to pay you for your for being an employee. The profit is something different. This is a quarterly distribution that comes out to you that you use uh, or you receive as a reward and your job is to celebrate with it. Now here's the deal. You cannot plow it back or reinvest it or push it back into the business. Those are all very soft terms for saying, oh, they're really deferred expenses. That's really not a profit. It's just I put in the profit category for a short period of time, but it really is an expense and then we push it back into the business. That defeats the system. So we celebrate with it. And what I mean by celebrate is, you know, maybe going out for dinner, maybe it's the vacation, uh, maybe that's how you celebrate. Some people like personal savings, plan for the retirement. It goes into your, your, your retirement fund or your 401k. Um, but you never put it back into the business because if you do, you're not allowing your business to find the profitable opportunities. You're saying, ah, we can't really be profitable. I just stored it there. Here's the money back. Let's spend sure. it. No more of that. No more of that. Yeah. Okay. Now, you talked about this, you know, you've done a complete rewrite of the book, and part of that rewrite is including uh, interviews and uh, information, results yeah. from the people yeah. that have been using your system. What are some of the results that you're seeing? Can you talk about any of those in particular? Of course. Of course. I, uh, story, it's, my, it's hands down my favorite story, so this is my default one now. I got a baseball card emailed to me, like literally a baseball card with a baseball manager in this funky yellow suit. And on the card where the stats are on the back, it just wrote, Profit First Saved Our Baseball Team. Oh. And that was it. So I call this guy named Jesse Cole, and sure enough, 
he owns a baseball team. It's called the Savannah Bananas, the most <laughs> awesome baseball team. Uh, I am now their number one fan. And they eradicated over a million dollars in debt. They have over 100 employees, and they use profit first. Here's what's fascinating about the story. First of all, it forced frugality. Uh, one of the examples he shared is if you own a baseball team, now this is a minor league baseball team, if you own a baseball team, you need to get a ticketing system you know, so people can come to your stadium. Their stadium seats, I think, somewhere between six and 8,000 people. And so these sophisticated ticket machines cost, uh, I think it was thirty or $50,000 for the system, and every time there's a transaction, that company charges a fee, say 10 or 20% meaning it costs a lot of money and it's an ongoing cost. When they implemented Profit First, they realized we can't afford, if we want to be profitable, we can't afford a ticketing machine. So what did he do? He went back to old-fashioned tickets. He, got, he made, printed out tickets. He printed out, he said, like 50,000 tickets for $3,000, know, one-tenth the cost, in the shape of a banana. Uh, <laughs> and now what people, what people do is not only do they come to the game with their tickets, they keep them as souvenirs, and there's pictures on Twitter and Facebook of people <laughs> holding their, banners, their baseball tickets. The lesson is this. By using profit first, for him, it forced frugality, but it also brings about innovation. You look at things in a new way, and you find ways to extract more value out of what you're doing. He's doing sure. what no other baseball team ever considered because he implemented profit first. And, and now he's, he's my favorite story of all time. Yeah, I mean, look at the marketing value that he's getting out of that now. You know, when you see the social media posts that you just talked about, and he probably never even thought of that when he decided to go back to the paper tickets. So that's that's great. You know, we are out of time. There's so many different things that we can cover, but instead people are just going to have to go buy the book. Where can they get copies? There you go. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> help it's your uh, Amazon, your Barnes & Nobles, your favorite bookstore. Amazon inevitably has the best price, but it, it, it's out there. It's Profit First. And if you want to learn more about me, my name is Mike Michalowicz, uh, and my website is MikeMichalowicz.com. The shortcut to get there is MikeMotorbike.com. So go to MikeMotorbike.com because no one can spell Michalowicz, and I'll get you to my website. Okay, so MikeMotorbike.com. Go out to that, and you'll get to MikeMichalowicz.com. Uh, and really, once you get out there, his name is its just like it uh, sounds. It's not that difficult. But uh, Amazon.com, Profit First. You can also get all your other books are still in print too, right? Exactly. All, yeah, I've, I've written four other books, and they're all out there, all circulating. Just, you can Google, you can Amazon my name, I guess it is. The type my name, yeah. and you'll see what I have there. Absolutely. Plus, he has them all out on his website, too. So uh, yep. you can get to them through that. So it's always a pleasure, Mike. Um, and we just we really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, it's been a joy. Thanks so much, Kelly. Absolutely. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.